the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast, SpotTrack.com. Mike Gennetti here, of course, the founder of SpotTrack.com. I'm Kevin Sylvester. Uh, no Paul today, but we'll somehow find a way to survive. Uh, he doesn't know anything about taxes anyways. We're going to talk a lot about taxes today with athletes. Yeah, that's right. We're going to have a, you know, a special guest, a colleague of mine from the past few years working with SpotTrack. His name is uh, Robert Ariola. He's an agent, a lawyer, an accountant. He's got all the all the buttons checked here. So we're going to speak to him a little bit, kind of talk about the various sports, you know, player salaries, things like that, all the, all the issues that could be taxable and what that means going forward. We are going to learn a lot with Robert Rayola. A lot of math. Great place to start, Robert, is uh, the issue of the highest paid football player, um, Kirk Cousins out of the Washington Redskins. If you can maybe just give us a synopsis of, you know, his, his pay structure, how that works, and how the tax kind of evolves with that. Sure. Uh, first of all, on his pay structure, Mike and Kevin, most of the players are only paid in the NFL are only paid during the season. The one exception being the Tennessee Titans, which pay you uh, somewhat during the season, but also carry it over until like March of the following year. Um, but So Kurt's probably getting his check every week or every two weeks. The interesting issue there is the Redskins practice in Virginia and play their home games in, in, in Maryland. So players are paying tax to the state that they play in or other states on based on duty days. So Kirk would pay tax for mostly on, on that income, mostly to um, the state of Virginia, because that's where he is five days a week on a home game and six days a week, I, I got, sorry, five days a week on a road game, six days a week on a home game. And then he would play practice, uh, tax Maryland just on the, the days that they play there, which would probably be just Sundays during the preseason and the regular season. So, uh, again, let's not feel sorry for him because he may be paid weekly, but he's paid strong in the pocket. And, uh, you know, he, he does get a lot of money, and the franchise tag has worked out for him so far. What What, what if he takes a day off? <laughs> does it count as a work? You know, I'm, I'm just thinking well, tax implications. You know, if they sure. go out a couple days early to another state, I mean, who, who keeps track of this stuff? Yeah, that, that that falls on mostly mostly on the account. But the interesting thing that Kevin, that's a great point. Last year there was a couple teams that headed west. I think the I mean Dolphins had back to back West Coast games, so it was interesting. We figured out that it cost the Dominican Sioux. The Dolphins went out west, and I don't know who they played the Rams and the Raiders or whoever it was, the Rams and the Chargers. So instead of coming back east in between games, they stayed over there. And they wound up spending you know maybe twelve days in California as opposed to three or four. So it cost the players a lot of money, and with no state tax in Miami, it cost you know Sue a lot of money out of his pocket. Interesting enough, I think the Eagles in a couple of weeks are going to spend. They've got back-to-back games in the West Coast against Seattle and, and another California team. I, I realize Seattle's not in California, but they're going to say the road I have is they're staying out there. So that'll cost the players a little bit of money. But um, more, I think the the Panthers also had back-to-back games in California. So. It's very important that you keep track of the days, and just because the team puts it on the W two doesn't mean that's correct. Hey, Robert, how aware are the players of this? I'm sorry, I missed the question. How aware are the players of okay. this situation? Like while this is happening, this West Coast swing. Um, I think you know it was funny that you mentioned that because one of the West Coast teams they may have played, I don't know, Seattle first, and they were going to California team. But they wound up training in California, so wound up costing them more money. 
you know, when they do that. Some guys are aware, some are not, and the teams don't really care what Robert says or if it costs the players a little bit more tax. Uh, and what I always like to do when I use social media a lot for this is I pointed out, and I would never use any of my clients as an example, but I would just say I take the highest-paid player on the team, and, of course, when I want to find out the highest-paid player on the team, I go to SpotRack, and I look it up there, very accessible website, and I find out you know who the highest-paid player is, and I do a quick and dirty calculation to just estimate what it would cost. Some players are aware, some are not. Um, if, you know, in the case of a, of a guy playing for a California team, the jack tax doesn't really matter in the other states because California has the highest tax rate, 13.3%. So if he goes plays in Illinois, which just raised it to almost 5%, it doesn't matter. He'll get a full credit in, in California. But when, when, when you're playing for the Dolphins, we mentioned before in the Dominican Sioux, and he spent two weeks in California that he wasn't expected to, that could hit him a little bit hard in the pocket. Some yeah. are aware, some are not. We're, you know, talking about football here at the start, what about the international games, games in London? Yeah, we just had a game in Mexico City. How does a how does the tax work when they're earning money internationally? Sure. With London, the the problem there, Kevin, is that the top tax rate in London is forty five percent. Our tax rate back here currently thirty nine point six percent. So if if player X goes to London and he pays forty five percent, he can only get a credit back here at thirty nine. So let's take this as an example. You take a Los Angeles Ram. I think who played there early in the year. So they're paying, get this, 45% to London, to UK, 13.3% to California. With some of the other payroll taxes, boom, if you get a $10,000 paycheck, you're, you're only getting 4000 in the pocket. Oh. And uh, this is, an, a, this is a, you know, a user-friendly show, but uh, I will just say that thing, and the players don't use those words. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of tough. Some fans might look at it, oh, we're going to take a road trip to London, while the players are like, ooh, <laughs> we're taking a road trip right. to, to London. And, and it's because, that's a great point, Kevin, and because of the high taxes and the travel, that's why I'm not so sure the NFL will ever have a permanent team there. It's funny because every time I talk, you know, a team goes to London, I talk about you know what the players may pay. I think the NFL is aware of this, and I think that they would try to put in some tax equalization or something to make if they were to base a team there full time, where the players wouldn't be you know hit by the higher rate. Uh, especially if our rates are going to go down, but as as we see in the, in the House and Senate bill, who knows where rates are right now? And you know, even if they, that, those two are passed, then they got to reconcile and try to figure something in between. But players don't like to go to uh, London. It, it could it could be worse. You could be playing hockey uh, in Toronto. The top tax rate in the province, the federal and provincial tax rate in the city of Toronto, is fifty three and a half percent. So that's also a kind of tough in the pocket, and that affects you know all the sports except for the NFL. Yeah, so let's stay there, Robert. Uh, you know, in terms of the difference, what what is the difference between the NFL versus the other sports here, right? Sure, um, great question, Michael. The, the, the issue in all sports, the state, the most most of the states use a duty days method as opposed to a games play method. I think you guys both located somewhere in the wonderful state of New York way back when New York had the games played method, and they switched over to duty days method. If you think about it, um, even though in most sports half the games are at home and half on the road, with the NFL, the, the practice time is so much weighted towards the state that you, you are based in. You know, you take an example of a guy playing on the Raiders. Right now, Eighty five for the bad, eighty five percent of his income is running the state of California, taxing at the top tax rate of thirteen point three percent. When they go to Nevada, 85% of the income will be earned there. And, uh, you know, even though that playing half the games on the road, it's based on duty days, not on games, and that'll be a good thing. So Derek Carr and the rest of the crew will save a ton of money when the team goes to Nevada, especially if 
you know, the House and Senate get their way, can they take uh, the ability of a taxpayer, the ability to deduct state and local taxes as a deduction on your federal return? If that goes away, boy, oh boy. In free agency, Mike, I know you like to put out where guys may go in free agency. You're going to see a big hit. The California teams and the teams in the high-tax state, Minnesota, they're going to have to really have to pay the players higher to make up for that loss of that deduction. Yeah, let's, let's actually say there as well. In terms of free agency, I mean, it sure sounds like it's a major impact in terms of you know where guys end up. I mean, our agents, I mean, I mean, who's kind of pressing the tax issue when it comes down to the free agent signing? Sure. Uh, Michael, I, I think if we keep it with football, there, there, there's a bunch of issues that, that come up. You know, do I, can I, do I, if I'm a defensive player, do they play 3-4, do they play 4-3? Do we have a chance to win a Super Bowl? Do I know the defensive coordinator from somewhere? Um, so there are a bunch of issues that are probably more important than taxes. But as we know, and as I tweet often, it's not the gross, it's, it's, it's the net. And if you think about it, the best gross deal may not be the best net deal. Well, by that I mean, you know, $10 million from the Raiders is, is not the same as $10 million from the Dolphins. give you an example on that. When Ndamukong Sue was a free agent, he signed for $60 million gross, you know, type of money that Mike Ginty gets paid. Sorry, butchered your last name. Gets paid for doing the, this radio show. Um, you know, he, he got that net net. To Florida, he would have netted about $36 million. If the Lions wanted to match that, they would have had to pay him 65 and eat further into that cap. And if the Raiders wanted to match it, they would have had to pay him 70.1, which is $10.1 million more than Dolphins. That's not really fair. And I know in the NBA they talked about maybe making the cap on an after-tax basis, but that hasn't happened. It was talked about. Um, and I had an NBA team call me and ask me about that. But with some planning, you can get around this, but not so much in football. It works. There's some signing bonus issues you can do, like Clayton Kershaw, but in baseball, and Dodgers, but really not easy to do that in football because the language in the contract. Yeah, Nets a great way to remember uh, Mike Gennetti. Um, yeah, with that, <laughs> <laughs> I should know a couple of vowels in my name too. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, all good. Um, you know, what you just stated there about the state of Florida is why when Steven Stamkos. His contract was coming up with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I kept maintaining on a radio show I was doing. There is no way he's leaving Tampa Bay to go play in Toronto that everybody thought he was going to play because of the tax issue. I mean, 53% as opposed to not paying state income tax in the state of Florida, it was a no-brainer for him to stay there. Uh, Kevin, I couldn't agree with you more, and I wrote an article with a fellow from the Tampa Bay Times about that. And when it came to, you know, we did it in January, and then when it came to June, when he was looking to sign, and I put out no way he was there, you know, he was going to sign it. I didn't get hate mail or hate tweets, but I got some little bit threatening, not the you know, stuff from, uh, oh, he's going to earn so much more money from the Canadian fans if he goes to, you know, Montreal or Toronto. You were right. There's no way. To, to focus further on your point, he would have had to make a couple million dollars more a year, and he wasn't going to make that much more in endorsements to go there. So there was no way he was going to leave the friendly confines of Florida uh, for Toronto, even though he was Canadian. And, and the problem is when an American player goes up there and plays for an Amer- American team like a New York Ranger player or a Buffalo Sabre player, he's treaty protected. He doesn't pay Canadian tax. However, in Michael's, you know, in, in, in Kevin's case, if he, if he, a Canadian player who's of Canadian descent, Canadian citizen, Canadian resident, if he went up there, he would pay tax at 53.5% on all his income. There was no way that that was going to happen. No matter, you know, what the fans wanted to say, it just wasn't going to be. Because, again, that's a classic example of the best gross deal. The Canadians, at the least, would have paid him more. Wouldn't be the best net deal. You mentioned endorsements, and I'm curious about uh, permanent residents or full-time residents, and if that's where endorsement money is earned, meaning the football player who plays 
for the Minnesota Vikings, yet his full-time off-season residence is in the state of Texas, no state income tax. Does that play, And he gets an endorsement deal with uh, Coca-Cola for a million bucks a year. Does he pay tax? What rate does he pay the tax on? Sure. Federally wise, obviously, you know, Kevin, I know you know this, but it's the same either way, right? But for, for state tax purposes, if it's part of that requirement from Coca-Cola, he's got to go to a mall in Minnesota and sign some autograph and do an appearance, I might apportion that to Minnesota. However, if it's just a national deal and he's really not doing any work in Minnesota, I, I think that you would be in good shape there. Uh, but a lot of times guys will go sign autographs, like you see in the Houston Nationals now, doing a ton of shows. Obviously, if that's in Texas, it's not taxable there. If they do, do, do shows somewhere else in like California would not, it would be taxable there. But um, again, you, you can't tell a guy he can't do a show in, in his own state, like if he's playing for the Vikings. Um, but in your example, if it was a national deal and he didn't do any work for that in Minnesota, I don't think you'd have to worry about taxes there. Hey, Robert, just to kind of wrap things up here, uh, you know, really appreciate this, by the way. The, you kind of mentioned of that you mentioned that the there was some inkling with the NBA that they may go to a, a situation where everything would be after tax to kind of account for this. Teams that could then account for their own current state tax inf- uh, situation. It, is that a growing thing? Are, are you feeling that kind of presence with other leagues? I mean, we've got a couple of CBAs that are coming up here, the NHL for sure. You know, baseball is going to come back around soon. Is this something that that may be an issue in, 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 with other sports and could actually possibly happen? Um, I'll tell you why you know it was an issue in basketball. And it was touched upon when they were talking about the new CBA. Uh, I talked to a team um, the day after the trading deadline about two years ago. And they were trying to get a player um, who was traded from the West Coast to the East Coast team, one of these teams' competitors. And what happened was, in the NBA, Mike, and you know as well as I do, if the player is your own free agent, I believe you can sign into a five-year deal. If the player is somebody else's free agent, you can sign into a four-year deal. So what happened to this team was they were trying to get the player, and they didn't. He wound up going to the Miami Heat. So they knew the combination of a longer deal vis-a-vis five versus four, and they, no state income tax in Florida, they knew they had no shot okay, to get the player. And it wind up, you wound up signing with Miami as a free agent that summer. But it's been talked about a little bit in basketball, not so much in the other sports. I think we've got to see how the state, the, the, uh, the House and the Senate bills shake out. But it's been talked about a little bit because in the example that we you delineated about uh, the Dominican Sioux, it's a big advantage uh, you know, to the teams with no state tax. And the Raiders are getting the worst of it right now, and they would get the better of it when they went to Vegas. But uh, I don't know how soon it would happen, but it's been talked about. And we'd have to let the you know the tax bill shake out to see you know which way that worked. The team I'd tell you this for sure: the teams like you know the Cowboys, the Dolphins, or the Marlins, or whoever those teams in no tax states and whatever the sport they they push that when they go out and try to sign guys at free agency. And the teams that don't you know have a big tax, they're going to have to try to work around it. Now there are some workarounds. We do some planning in in, mo- in most of the sports except for football, but you know, the language in the contract stops that in football. But I, I think it's important to to have a have a conversation with you know with some of the GMs or whatnot, and so they understand that and talk to the players' associations and see where this may go because it is really an unfair advantage to the teams that play in a no tax state. Robert, I thought of one more question I, that I think is pretty interesting, and because we talk about the the players, the athletes when they play in different states, and I'm just gonna, I'll keep this to NFL. Um, what about the owners? Because when they the NFL revenue sharing system, they they share revenue in the in the TV. Um, I th- still believe they share thirty five percent tickets. So you know when a team goes to play in another 
uh, team state. They get 35% of the ticket revenue from the gate in that building, and you'd have to think there's some profit built in there for the owner. Do, do, do owners pay the um, jock tax, if you will? Well, it, it's it's a, another great question, Kevin. I, I think with the way I like to look at it, as far as the individual is concern, concerned, any member of the traveling party, Kevin, I think you mentioned did some work in broadcasting for, for some time. So if you travel with the team and you're a member of the traveling team and you go on the road, you're paying that, you should be paying that jock tax. Okay. So and this includes referees, coaches, assistant coaches, doctors that travel with the team. Uh, I had a situation last year where my son had to get knee surgery and or maybe it was two years ago. The Jets the previous night had played in Georgia. And after this, after he did the knee surgery, my son, the next day was a Monday night game, and this happened on Tuesday. I said to him, Doc, you know, do you, I know you were traveling with the team. Do you want to pay the jock tax on the road? He said, Absolutely. And it, you know, he said it's a pain in the butt to do that, but um, if you're traveling with the team, you're probably paying that tax. And if you regularly travel with the team, you, you, you're certainly paying with the tax. The other thing I encourage players all the time is if you're hurt and you do not travel to the state, if you weren't there. Uh, you, you should be aware, like if you get injured and you're not playing the rest of the year, make sure they're not taking out the state tax on the road if you're not if you're not physically present. Yeah, don't go on the road trip. If they invite you on the road trip, don't go. It's going to cost you. <laughs> Robert, really appreciate this. It's uh, It's been great. I'm sure the listeners are going to love hearing this, and uh, we're hoping to have you back anytime soon. Yeah, but, but thanks for having me. You guys have a happy Thanksgiving. Again, uh, I love using the uh, SpotTrack website. Uh, great, 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 great tool, especially when I'm talking about players' fines and whatnot. And just if we'll add one little tidbit for the listeners as well. On the fines, under current law, if the fine is for uh, a violation of a team or league rule, it's tax deductible. If it's violation of you get a speeding ticket or public law, not deductible. However, under the proposed tax bills, both the House and the Senate, all these types of expenses would disappear for the players. So it would cost the players even more money if they get fined because they won't be able to get a tax benefit for it. You can hear a lot more of that and keep up with uh, Robert on Twitter, at Sports Taxman. Robert, thanks again. Thanks, fellas. All the best. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, Mike, that was some fascinating stuff just in that uh, you know short time we had uh, with Robert and just all the all the factors that go into it. Yeah, it's it's always great to hear that side of it because it's something that maybe you don't think about when you're looking at these kind of contracts or you're seeing these players in the field, but it's a big, big part of the business side of it. It's a big part of the decision-making for agents, for teams, for players. And uh, I think as he laid out there, it's certainly a competitive advantage for those teams in, in those states where tax really isn't that major of an issue. Oh, if I were an agent, I would be... Yeah, those would be the teams I talk to first, right? You know, the teams without a state income tax. Yeah, it doesn't matter that you're two and thirteen as long as there's no state tax. Well, right? for some guys, it doesn't matter, right? That's right. And if and if my player was a very marketable guy, yeah. I would have him living in a non. That's right. You know, a non-state, uh, you know, income tax state. He'd be Tennessee, Florida, Texas, Nevada. I think those are the only four. Why are there only four? By the way, I don't know who works harder. Eh? quarterbacks accountant or the quarterback what do you think <laughs> i mean that sounds I, like a lot of work i think the qb's account and uh you know you got to find a good one you can trust well that goes with anybody in life i mean even for all the money you make at uh, spot track yeah, of course yeah. <laughs> as he liked to point out there all right um well great stuff you can uh give out uh robert's twitter handle again because he's a great follow man you make sure to follow at sports taxman on twitter today's cap fact Mike, today's cap fact is really interesting when it comes to starting lineups in the NFL and how they've changed since week one. 
And, you know, a lot of that's uh, due to injury, more trades this year in the National Football League. But what did you find out when you looked at the, the finances of starting lineups from week one to week 10? Yeah, so we, so we dove into this really with the understanding that, you know, there seemed to be more injuries. There were certainly more impactful trades this year. And I really just kind of wanted to see where the rosters stood now in comparison to the start of the year. And, uh, you know, as, as you might expect, most of, if not almost all of them, 90% of the teams, they've lost, you know, starting dollars in terms of their cap, just based on, you know, players have been injured, younger, cheaper guys have come into the lineup and things like that. Aaron Rodgers, for example, Green Aaron Rodgers, Bay, right? J.J. Watt, right. Those are the teams that are going to be at the top of this list just because those major, major cap hits have come off and, and onto the injured reserve. But but really, when you're looking at the the different dichotomies of how that may have happened in terms of trades, releases, and, and the injuries, there's different ways that teams have gone about this, right? And, and what's most interesting is the team at the top of the list, which would be the Buffalo Bills. Um, really? So, so what the Bills have done is a little bit of everything, right? You know, they've cut a couple of guys, they've had a couple of injuries, minimal injuries, but their most impactful financial moves were trades away, some trades in, some cheaper trades in, and obviously benching their starting quarterback for a much, much, much cheaper option. So they've, they're kind of hitting all the options, all the buttons in terms of ways you can reduce your cap throughout the year. Um, and, you know, th- the question really is, is how is that impacting their team on the field, which you've seen in the last couple of weeks has been a negative impact. Um, there's other teams who are doing it for, you know, reasons on the field this year. You know, teams like the Seattle Seahawks, they're just losing guys to injuries every week. So they've had to, you know, bring in trades, bring in things like that, bring in street free agents to kind of make things work on the field this year. Uh, the list is, is interesting. We, 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 had a, we had a really good look at, you know, teams with major IR caps, right? Like the Miami Dolphins, the Arizona Cardinals, obviously the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, teams like that who, you know, you lose $20 million, you know, week one with a major injury. And certainly your lineup is going to change going forward. But there are teams who have been tinkering, teams like the Bills, teams like the Seahawks, teams like the Dallas Cowboys and the Denver Broncos, especially the Cowboys, a very interesting one with the situation with Ezekiel Elliott. They've made so many roster moves to kind of account account for the back and forth situation there um, that they've really probably dumped cap they didn't need to dump because of the situation. So uh, it's an interest, interesting look. We do track these lineups every single week um, in terms of the, the starting lineups for offense, defense, special teams. So this is a, this is a tool you can view on SpotTrack. Um, and, and when we, we take a look at these reports on a snapshot basis, it's really interesting to see how much money has been shed, how much money has been gained, and how they've done so. It's kind of a, a team-building exercise for how these teams have gone through the year. They can also go in and figure out, okay, teams that have had the decrease because of IR trades and are still winning, that equals depth. Depth. On the, the or football. good moves. Or or good moves. Or and, good moves. And maybe good that's point. something more we'll see. You know, if teams were able to successfully take in some players by the trade deadline and continue to win, you know, maybe that's a vice that more GMs continue to use. All right. Great stuff that you can find at spottrack.com. The cap fact with the NFL starting lineups from week one to now. Time now for the contract of the week. Contract of the week this week, Mike, uh, involves extension season. And so it's more than just one contract. It is contracts of the week. Yeah, that's right. We took a a significant amount of time in the past couple of weeks here to to identify some players from every single NFL team who may be in need of an extension, whether that's because they have an expiring contract coming up, whether that 
they're underpaid or no guaranteed money left on the deal. There's a lot of factors that go into, you know, a need for a team to extend a player. And right now, everybody's saying, nobody's underpaid That's in the right. NFL. That's right. A million dollars is still a million dollars, But compared right? to the rest of the market, the football players are underpaid. Anyhow. That's right. I digress. Air quotes. <laughs> right. So Thanksgiving is, you know, obviously a big football week, but this is also a week where we kind of label it as extension season, right? Like you mentioned, this is kind of a point of the season where, you know, GMs and players and agents kind of come start talking for that future contract, that next contract. And really, it's a way for teams, if they're you know involved in that discussion, to, to kind of jump the gun here, right? To kind of get it, maybe get a value, a better value deal now than during free agency, or now you know a little farther away from the end of the contract. You know, teams like the Patriots and and those kind of teams that have evolved a little bit more with the cap, they they've understood that you know an, an earlier extension is just always going to be better value, whether it's you know six months early or three months early. And anytime you can get ahead of the gun, it's going to be better for them. So, the old pay now yeah. or pay more later. That's right. You don't want to fall into the Joe Flacco syndrome where you win a Super Bowl then need a new contract. So, <laughs> uh, so we've identified some players. We've got a couple of notable ones here. You know, obviously there's players like Aaron Donald who, you know, for the last 12 months with the Rams, he's he's you know he's been sacking quarterbacks, he's been stopping the run, he's been doing everything statistically to warrant a new contract, but he doesn't have a new contract. He held out for week one this year. He, you know, he's done everything I think on his end that he could do, whether that's fair or not, but this is a guy that needs a new contract. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to be up there in the 20 million per year mark. He, I mean, this is certainly one to watch him and Khalil Mack with the, with the Raiders. Those are your next major, major defensive contracts. Both are obviously on this list going forward. And I think both will be addressed this off season, if not in the next couple of weeks. I mean, these are both teams who are in the mix um, both those guys are contributing as they should be, maybe a little under, under tick from last year. But these, these are major contracts coming down, down the pipeline soon. Both players, going back to Robert's appearance earlier on the podcast, that play in California, yeah, that's that right. high-tech well, state. Maybe not Cleo Mack for long. Maybe, right? yeah, <laughs> Mack can't wait to get to Nevada. That's right. <laughs> uh, outside of that, a couple more names. Obviously, Odell Beckham Jr. So this is a, a situation where injuries have, have kind of come in with his contract situation, right? It's not just about talent and production and, and longevity, but this is a guy who's been injured a few times now. And he's obviously injured right now. So the Giants may have a situation where they can they can gain some leverage right now. He's not obviously at, at peak value. You know, he had, he had a decent start to the year before things went bad here injury-wise. Um, you know, and the Giants are just a mess as a whole right now. So they, they could be making some sweeping changes this offseason. But getting a guy like that under contract, maybe a little bit under the market value that he he could be, he should be, it might be a nice step in the right direction for them going forward here. Another really interesting one is Drew Brees out in New Orleans. This is a 38-year-old guy. You know, he's a 5,000 yards per year guy, but this year he's a little under that, right? He's he's projecting a little less. They're they're running the ball. You know, they're winning, right? So everything's kind of working well in their favor. The situation with him is in that one-year extension last year, they, they they handed him a signing bonus that prorates out another three years. It's 18 million for the next three years, where he doesn't have a contract. That's just dead voidable. $18 million of cap, of dead cap sitting on the Saints. So not only does it behoove them from a football standpoint to keep him as a Saint and keep him as their quarterback for another year, but just in terms of being able to keep that dead cap allocated on a yearly basis, what do I mean by that? If they don't sign him back next year, all $18 million of that dead cap hits their 2018 cap right off the bat. It, it's avoidable dead cap. If they sign him to an extension, even a one-year deal, $6 million of that stays with 2018 and just is included in his cap hit for next year. And the other 12 then voids in 2019. 
So by extending him, they're actually maneuvering that dead cap that already exists into a more manageable situation for them. So that's another one to watch. You know, that's a Peyton Manning type contract where you're probably going to see maybe a little bit under the market, right? You're not going to see maybe $25 million for Drew Brees next year, maybe somewhere in the 18 to 20 mark, um, just to keep him obviously well paid, move that dead cap around a little bit, and obviously keep yourself winning on the field like he's done this year. Fascinating, all the things that they they need to do. And, you know, as, you know, jokingly mentioned before, pay now or pay more later, and that's... That's the way it works right now in the National Football League. The guys looking at extensions. The Beckham Jr. one is fascinating, right? Because he's going to be a $20 million receiver, wasn't he? Yeah. He still may be, but how could you pay him $20 million? You know, That was a devastating injury. Well, I mean, the, the, the price point right now is Antonio Brown's $17 million. So, you know, you're, you're, you're certainly thinking higher than that if you're him and his agent right now. But, you know, injuries, maybe a little bit less production in the last 18 months in terms of, you know, statistics. So, like I said, you know, timing is everything with these. And if teams and agents in them are starting right now, you know, there's a better chance that the team gets a little bit better value. So we've got this article live on Track right now. We take a look at every single team situation in terms of contract extension candidates. And we also take a look at some players who maybe might not be on the roster next year, some potential cuts. And we've got some interesting names there too. So take a look at the article. And uh, as always, if you've got some comments and thoughts, hit us up at Track on Twitter. All right. Maybe one of those players gets a deal in the next few days and we'll have something more to be thankful about on Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm thankful to get to spend the time here, Mike, with you on Track Podcast. Yeah, this has been a great six weeks. And uh, I want to thank uh, Paul and Kevin and the, you know the guys at Buffalo Sports Page for you know helping us out and hosting and producing and this has been a a new experience for us and hopefully an enjoyable one for our our fans and our listeners out there and we're going to keep this going as long as we can yeah the best is yet to come spottrack.com all the uh and thanks for the plug for buffalo sports page buffalo sports page uh, dot com uh where our home offices is and the 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 two teams that we cover mainly aren't very good they like to spend money uh, that's look, good radio, though. Yeah, that's right. You can look at all the contracts for the Buffalo sports teams, all the sports teams, and all the leagues at SpotTrack.com. And on behalf of Mike and Paul, who's not here, I'm Kevin Sylvester. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody.